Hey everyone, this is Josh. Before we get into the episode, I have some exciting news to share with you. Um, This episode covers transformation, spiritual direction, spiritual um, formation, and so I thought, what better place to share some news that impacts the podcast? I have started a new venture of beginning my own private practice as a spiritual director, and through my practice, which is called Holy Ourselves, and that's W-H-O-L-L-Y, Holy Ourselves. Um, and the podcast, Life on Side B, will now be running through my private practice. You can learn more at holyourselves.org. You can also find the link on our Instagram and as well on our website. Really excited to see what all of this holds for the future. And as we wrap up season five and get ready for what's coming next. Um, but I wanted to share that with you guys because it's going to come up in episodes, especially as I get it more into my work. And now that the podcast is running through, um, through that. So really excited for it and so excited to share it with you all. And with that, let's head into the episode. Well, everyone, we're back. Finally getting back into the routine of recording episodes, getting episodes out. We like, well, I was behind for a while. Um, and as we talked about last in our last episode, a lot of transitions that have happened. And so now we're getting back in the routine. It's actually Ashley and me again. We get Yay. to do two episodes in a row. And we're joined <laughs> by Eve Tushnet. Huh. <gasps> <sighs> How are you? Good, good. How are good. you all? We are great. Good. Yeah. This is a, y'all, we are recording this at 10.30 at night, 9.30 at night central. Yeah, it's like yeah. 10.30 for y'all. It's 10.30 for us. It's 9.30 for Ashley because I just think it's a fun story. Everyone knows that Ashley records from a closet. Right. Um. Her son is now old enough to know where she's at when she's recording. So now we have to record Ashley's episodes when he's asleep. <laughs> like you guys missed it because we edited it out. But like in the middle of Josh's prayer in the last episode, he just like burst in, was like climbing on top of me. He wanted yep. to say hi. He wanted to play with a microphone. He knocked over like a whole box of toys that we had like hidden because he makes a mess. <laughs> And I was finally like, I was able to scoot him up. I'm like, here, take the toys, go. And then close yeah. the door and he left. You uh, should have kept it. That's, yeah. that's what makes for the iconic moments. I it, think Josh edited out because you think you had said his name. Oh, I did. Yeah, that was, I, no, I, I, I try to refer to him as the mascot. Yeah. yeah. And little I, something, yeah. Yeah, little B. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mascot was alive and well in that episode. Oh, yeah. Um, He's going to yeah. be turning three in a month. <gasps> mm, that's so sweet. I can't believe that. I know. Um, I love how we've gotten to see him and Becca's kids, like, and Elizabeth's kids all grow up on the podcast. Um, so today we are talking about reclaiming spiritual formation, reclaiming transformation, these kind of very big words that we use. Um, for anyone who's jumping in, in the middle of this, we're in the theme, this season of reclaiming, taking things that have been used against us, um, 
and finding the truth in them, finding the veins of where they actually are good things um, and how to reclaim them. Um, so we've been going over all different kinds of aspects. And we, when we had this, we were like, who better to have than Eve Tushnet, the one person who's written a book on this? I still make the joke that the moment your book came out, I was like, thank you for writing 90% of my doctoral project for me. <laughs> it was just done. You just did I it. I still do need to read it. But also, again, since having a child, the amount of books I read is chopped by significant large fractions. <laughs> it's great. I would put it at the top of your list because it's a it's a unique one. So, yeah. I think a friend of mine this. is reading it now too, um, and she's okay. really enjoying it. Well, to get dive right in a little bit on this, um, I think it it's good to start with you know one of the things that I thought was interesting, even just to start with this conversation, was when I first brought this conversation up to you, Eve, I was like, we want to talk about sanctification. And you were like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember what you said about that. You were like, I don't know if I can speak into it. I think it's one of those terms that I think has some actual specific theological meaning in Catholic theology. And I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't remember what it is. And if I get it wrong, that seems like it's bad. Yeah. So, and then the irony of the flip. It sounds important. Yeah, it sounds important and like don't want to miss that. But then I also thought it was fun that like before we started recording, Ashley was like, I don't really know a lot about spiritual formation, right? I hope I can share this if you're okay yeah. with that. Yeah. It's not um, something I'm familiar with entirely. Yeah. But I feel like all of these things are the same realm or like in the same vein of aspects. So I'd love to kind of define terms. Um, maybe Eve, if you could take spiritual formation, like if you were, if someone were to ask you to define spiritual formation and then probably Ashley, I'll ask you about sanctification. So we'll do this kind of realm, but like Eve, how would you? So it's interesting. You know, I don't even know if that's the term that I would use for what I think we're talking about. Yeah. I, I usually hear, the term formation in a context where it sort of means education. It's kind Mm. of how you were formed, where you're coming from, uh, what shape your expectations and assumptions are like, like a very typical sentence you might hear would be like, I I say this sort of thing all the time, you know, father, whatever is a really good priest, really loves people. He was not well formed on gay life, uh, questions relating to gay people. And that gives a kind of specific information that there's something Mm -hmm. in his education that sort of like gave him assumptions that are not helpful. Uh, So let me throw this out there. I think what we're talking about is what I would call growing in holiness. Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sanctification. And I mean, I kind of go book more. Speaking Spanish helps with a lot of things. (laughs) You know, you have sanctification. It's come from santidad, which is the same word for holiness. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 that process of becoming holy. But I've heard spiritual formation used kind of in both ways, kind of the way mm-hmm. you said it in like the the forming of your your say denominational spirituality, but like the way in in whatever vein that you're that the vein you're taking, your formation in that. But I've also heard it in the same sense of like discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah, I think it's kind of, it, it kind of tracks to something that when I was working on my 
on in school and I created a, I, I like wrote down a definition of spiritual formation, which kind of, I did it in a little bit more of like what you're talking about, Eve of grow. I was kind of more defining growing and holiness kind of thing. Um, and a spiritual director that I was talking to was like, if you're just talking about spiritual formation, spiritual formation is a bit more broadly because spiritual formation is happening subconsciously, consciously at all times, regardless of who you are. Like if you're, if you're Muslim, if you're Jewish, if you're Buddhist, we're all being spiritually formed. Um, but then when we are Christians, there is something specific that is going on when you are walking in your life in like the direction that you are desiring to go in and the ways that mm. you are in that in a much more intentional format mm-hmm. kind of growing. Um, so I like that. And actually I had never thought about that. Yeah. Sanctification, sanidad, santidad in Spanish. It, it's connected right there. Oh, my lady's Bible study. They were talking about, um, what did they do? It was like a mom's Bible thing. And she was talking about how like, it was like there were justice and righteousness and this, that, and everything. And they're like, and they're similar. Cause like in different translations of the Bible, they'll kind of use one or the other. I was like, well, mm-hmm. it's Spanish. They're the same word. Mm. Yeah. And they were like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, <laughs> but it's, God's righteousness is just and his justice is righteous. Yeah. Mm. I think that's good. English yeah. coming from German is useless. <laughs> no, I think that that's good. I really love that. You know, because when we're talking about all of this, it's the idea of being formed in the image of God, in the image of Christ, of how that very thing, you know, like if we are made in the image of God, I would say sin. We, I think we talked about this in our four part, like gospel Probably. thing that we did earlier this year. We did for Eve, if we did a, um, a four part episode, like ep- four episode series on like, um, the gospel from a queer perspective. So we did creation, fall, mm-hmm. um, justification, glorification mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there was, a, I believe we talked about it in there. I'm trying to get back to what I was going to say because <laughs> then I got on that little tangent. Um, that creation. Um, oh you- yes, creation. Yes, thank you. So um, in creation, we are made in the image of God. Sin kind of distorts that image in how we are reflecting Christ, and therefore, through the process of justification, sanctification, glorification, we are being formed in that image anew in this new way. And that's kind of where we're sitting in this moment, kind of in between that justification, glorification time of where those two are, um, I think is kind of where we find this conversation. If we were to put it in that four part episode. This is now beyond what I understand, but I trust you. Okay. (laughs) That sounds plausible. Just go. (laughs) Okay. Sounds right. Well, then let's move into the next question, because I think that this is another area. If we're talking about, like you said, growing in holiness and that kind of thing, um, you know, and this is a process of reclaiming, I think it'd be good to touch on what are some of the ways that these concepts have been misused against LGBT people? Yeah. (laughs) Any initial thoughts from you guys? 
like for me, the main one that stands out is the ex gay movement that like our growth into manhood, like our growth. Oh my gosh, the book <laughs> just stood out in my brain. <laughs> Whacked you in the face. Alan Menninger, gosh, he's just like there. Um, but like, gro- like that growth and holiness means becoming straight. Well, and there's a lot of concepts bound up with this, like healing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. On the, I think this was on the old spiritual friendship blog. Ron Belgau had a post that was like, why do we envision healing as making people better equipped for heterosexual marriage when the practice of long-term celibacy seems to require an extraordinary degree of healing yeah, uh, and sort of learning to do that well. And I certainly have found that to be true. Uh, that's, you know, also a site where people both need and receive healing. Uh, so I think that language for sure, the idea of, you know, and there's that old ex-gay slogan the, what is it? It's the opposite of, of homosexuality isn't heterosexuality, is it's holiness. And you can take that, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's not, that's actually like way less bad than I thought they would be. Yeah. They mean that they're not trying to make you straight. They're just trying to make you like a holy gay person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's what I want too. But I think that it can take on the, the opposite meaning where it's as you become holier and holier, you're leaving behind homosexuality. Yeah. Uh, so that's on the really, surface, it sounded nice, right? It, well, it's it's what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's a sort of that's a real obvious one where there's only one possible okay. way of transformation, and this is this is something that I realized about my own life a while back. Uh, you know, I know at least I I, I know people who will say that story of growing in my relationship with God or healing relationships in my family of origin shifted my attractions more heterosexual. Mm -hmm. Sure. I think that could happen. You know, these family relationships and all these things are so deep and so, you know, intertwined with our experience of sexuality. But it was really fascinating for me to realize that I kind of had the opposite thing happen. Um, where when I was still drinking, I would get sometimes these like bizarre, incredibly unrealistic sort of fantasy projection crushes on guys, almost always other, let's say, problem drinkers. Uh, And I, I still don't totally know what that was even about. But I do know that when I got sober, at some point I realized that I had just completely stopped having any of that kind of interest in or crushes on guys at all. I'd sort of settle down to be a normal yeah. lesbian. And it seemed pretty clear that whatever was going on with this, I guess you could say op- heterosexual attraction was unhealthy and was coming from a kind of denial or projection or flailing around trying to figure something out in my life What's going to rescue me from this place that I'm in? Uh, and it was only through the healing uh, that God gave me in sobriety mm-hmm. that I became like, as far as I can tell, what's the what's the end of the Kinsey spectrum that's just gay? Six. Like oh, six. six. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and similar, you know, and I think this is actually a really important point that there are a lot of things that we do that are good for us spiritually and that truly help us grow 
that make us look more obviously gay to people around us. And so some of them will view that as backsliding when mm-hmm. in fact it is, or backsliding is probably not quite the right word, but like in the great shoots and ladders that is apparently yeah. the spiritual life. Right. Um, you know, that you've like shot down a shoot instead of actually going up a ladder. And, and I mean, it, it kind of builds in my mind another way that I feel like the these concepts have been misused against L, like LGBT people. I feel like it's a broader thing, but we're going to focus in on LGBT people here is kind of within the purity culture understanding mm-hmm. of like, if you take with the celibacy conversation, like the need to be perfect in the pursuit that there is no room for failure or like failure or like slipping up sexually is this kind of very big thing of like going back to the starting point, you know? Um, And it's kind of like that whole concept in recovery of like, you know, you get your chip and you're building up the days. And then when you accidentally, you know, kind of slip, you, you feel like you're back at, at, starting point because now you're back to the first chip again kind of thing (laughs) and we hold this concept of it like unless i am being perfect i am like i'm nowhere on the journey um it's ironically one of the greatest things that i learned from an ex-gay um leader (laughs) um there was a there was an analogy that cy rogers gave that's always stuck with me when he would talk he actually had a real he was talking about this concept and he had the whole idea that he would say, um, you know, if you're at a marathon, like a biking race and you fall, you don't just get transported, mm-hmm. teleported back to the to the beginning. Start line, yeah. You're still where you were at. You're just not moving anywhere while you're not on the bike. So you need to figure out why did you fall off and like let's get you back on. And actually that was actually something that's always remained very helpful for me. In this understanding of like, if I am not living perfectly in my life as a Christian, it's not that I'm suddenly transported back to the starting point. Like I am where I am and I just have to figure out why am I like in this context and how do I get out? But I feel like that pressure has been on us of performance. Because it's always been like, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. You know, there's just all of these like small things that accumulate to make us think that way, to make us feel that way, that, you know, you're always trying to reach this specific outcome, this specific goal. And we're all trying to move toward Christ likeness, but I think we've failed in the sense that we have come to this expectation that we're going to reach that on this side of heaven Mm-hmm. and that's 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 harmful that's 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 more damaging and crippling to us i think than reality of knowing like that yeah, this that's probably not going to be how this is going to go this is what's going to happen and this is how i deal with it as opposed to like oh because i mean i remember what i was probably like in my early 20s and it was like i thought if you had been a christian so long you know the gamut of things you struggled with just, you know, shrunk and you struggled with the easy stuff. Yeah. And like the big stuff is just, you know, it's not on your radar because you're not that corrupted or something. Yeah. 
And I remember like one, like my mentor at the time, she's like, and where did you get that? I'm like, I have no idea. It's just what I've always thought, you know? And it's like, that's, that's just not, it's not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it puts an exhaustion. I feel like on yes. it, it puts that exhaustion of performance on you to the point where you're just like, I don't, I don't have the stamina to keep, you know, doing well, that's this. the other thing too, right? The difference between growing in holiness and persuading oneself or others that you've grown in holiness. And those turn out to be three extremely different things. You can, there are periods of my life that I look back on where, you know, I was, either growing in holiness or very much the opposite. And I had no idea what was going on inside myself, what was being done. Um, just to use the sobriety example again, you know, I look at, I reread sometimes my journal from my first uh, year of sobriety. And, you know, th- like that, that person did a lot of hard things, like did a lot of really humiliating things uh, that were really important for me. And I just, there was, I couldn't see it as a strength that God was giving me at the time. It was just sort of what I had to do to get through. Uh, And I don't know if anyone, I was not really that open with anyone except my spiritual director and to some extent my best friend. So I don't really know if other people, some of them I think did intuit the huge change that was going on and others didn't. Uh, And I think for gay Christians, there can be, again, like an even greater disjunction because some of the things you most need to do can feel to you like stepping away from Christ and can, or the people around you might judge it as stepping away from Christ when in fact you are coming closer to the truth and, and the beauty and God is the source of your life. Mm. I think coming out is like a real dumb, obvious one. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's just, I, um, I think one of the really hard parts, especially of this performative understanding is then, and with the exhaustion and all of these things that comes with that, um, is the way that we, we just get so tired of, of even trying with God. We get we get scared of the idea of growing in holiness because we feel it's going to be these other concepts. We feel it's going to be something that is going to bring about shame when I can't do this, you know, well, or is going to try and make me um, pursue being straight or mm-hmm. any of these kinds of things. Does growing in holiness mean becoming like the people who have damaged my life? Who have damaged me. Yeah. yeah. And so then we run from it. And um, it's kind of, I had a conversation with a friend recently, um, a queer friend who's, you know, gone through a lot of these conversations and has been processing a lot of shame in their life um, around being queer, Um, not necessarily side B person, actually more Mm -hmm. like side A. And just we were having a conversation about what does it mean to hear God's voice in your life? Like, how can I tell the difference between shame about myself and conviction kind of thing? Mm -hmm. 
Um, like, am I feeling bad in this situation because I'm just really shameful of myself? Or is this God calling me to holiness? Um, and, and then, you know, because there can be a, there can be a pressing on us as we've built up shame, I think, to just ignore voices in our life. But then there can also be the opposite where we just even take the voice of shame and think that that's God speaking to us. And so have being able to distinguish between those becomes a very, I think, important part of this journey. And this is ultimately, this can be more challenging if you were raised with or really resonate with a spirituality that really focuses on uh, humility and the kind of I'm the chief of sinners uh, and that kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for a kind of emphasis on one's own lo- lowliness in contrast to God's incredible mercy um, yeah. I really resonate with that stuff I love that stuff and it was really challenging for me to have I, I say was like I've done it you know it's been really challenging for me. It took me a long time even to identify one of the things that I need to do in my spiritual life is separate shame or self-hatred from a kind of, from humility. Uh, there's actually, there's an amazing, I talk about this all the time. There's an amazing bit in the little flowers of St. Francis, uh, mm-hmm. the stories of the life of St. Francis. I think it's book nine uh, where Francis is, spending the night with another one of the friars and he gets the idea in his head that he's going to make the other friar insult him and tell him that he's worthless and that he can do nothing and he says say all this to me and the friar's like of course francis whatever you say you know you're such a holy wise man and so he's he tries to say the thing and it comes out as you know god i forget the exact phrase he's like god is doing great work through you francis and francis is like no 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 you're not listening here is what I want you to say. You are a wretched worm, like, et cetera, et cetera. And the, you know, and the friar tries to say these things to him and God prevents him each time and has him instead mm. say, you know, God is doing great work through you. Uh, and they spend the whole night. The translation that I have is something like they spend the whole night in meek disputing <laughs> <laughs> over this. And to me, this is like, this is such a beautiful and kind of necessary moment, right? Because it's God really saying, even for St. Francis himself, who's kind of like, in many ways, the height of that kind of spirituality, there is a moment where it tips over into denigrating the work that God is doing in your life mm. and denigrating God's creation of you. Mm. Uh, and that actually is not holy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that distinction a lot of times is particularly hard for queer people because many times the motivation used for our sanctification was in fact shame. Mm-hmm. Like that was how we were motivated to do better was with shame. It's like the same kind of thing that that has been, like Josh was saying, in purity culture in and of itself. But I feel like that part was kind of just emphasized through just Ex, ex gay thought leaking into the church and everything that but just the shame of being the one of the primary motivators for us so that many times we'll feel like it's supposed to be conviction so when we'll even hear 
ugly things about ourselves. Like I was talking to somebody last night about a clip that's circulating and we're both in like evangelical circles and have worked in similar ministries. And we were like, it even comes in your head. It's like, well, or are they right? Is this, is this uncomfortable feeling like supposed to be, you know, God trying to tell me something, or is it just the fact that what they're saying is, is you yeah. know, cruel and mean? Um, and that's, that's a hard place to be in sometimes. It's just, cause it does, it can feel, it can feel confusing and, it obviously feels, like you said, shameful. Yeah. Oh, there's just so much there. I just can, yeah, I, um, I, I just think that there's so much nuance in, in this and being able to see, I think that's kind of where I ended up talking with my friend about, of like, I feel that, if if the voice you're hearing in these moments is belittling you as a person kind of thing, it kind of goes into what you're talking about, like denigrating you and the person that God has created. Um, but if there is a voice that's happening in you where it's like going, I have something better for you than where you are at now, that that voice calling towards growth kind of thing, I, I think... Yeah, the passage that comes to mind is in first Corinthians where it's like, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. <laughs> like we can get into this mindset of what I'm allowed to do or not allowed to do. Yeah. When that's not the conversation anymore, but the conversation is you have the freedom to do what you want, but then in growth, there is an understanding of where do we go towards growth and how God calls us to, to do that. Um, and so, I mean, obviously there's specifics in all of these things, but um, Eve, I would love to hear from you kind of moving a little bit in another direction, just cause we've, we're already at 30 minutes. Um, you know, you literally wrote a book on spiritual formation of LG with LGBT people. So like, one of the questions I had in this, as we move from, okay, this is how this has been used against us. How do we engage with this well? Yeah. Like, for instance, when you were writing your book, what are some of the important aspects of spiritual, like, or of growing in holiness that you found important for LGBT people? Like, yeah. what are some of these things? Yeah. So, like, the dumb first answer is that it's in the title that I went with tenderness as the title from the very beginning because it was so, it just like blared out at me that that was what people were missing and longing for and had often had a very hard struggle to experience God's tenderness. And for me too, like, yeah. again, more with my journey in sobriety, but like, I really related to that, you know, that feeling of having to, of, of having God's tenderness be something that you wouldn't even necessarily frame to yourself as doctrine, because we don't often speak in those terms, uh, but that, like, is, it is real, it is true, you're kind of not allowed to say that God isn't, doesn't relate to you tenderly or doesn't cherish you, uh, and having that switch to relating to God as someone who cherished me be just incredibly transformative. Um, 
so I think that's the biggest thing. The other thing I would say is diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this comes up in a lot of different contexts. I tried to be really, you know, I have my own obsessions and my own hobby horses, but ultimately there's a lot of different good ways. Like growing to be like Christ turns out not to mean everybody looks the same. Yes. Uh, you know, and I really wanted to emphasize that and to give people that kind of like a lot of different models, a lot of different ways you can think about your life. <laughs> uh, and they don't have to be the ways that, you know, your mom might think about your life or the only really? other gay celibate person, you know, yeah. thinks about your life. Uh, and that's partly an attempt to get away from the kind of like poster children culture. Yeah. Uh, but more so it's just you know there was something really interesting that happened i'm uh this guy keith wildenberg and i founded this nonprofit this past year uh building catholic futures that is attempting to intervene at all the points where uh gay people encounter what they perceive as the voice of the catholic church and make those moments better make those moments more encouraging so that people can begin to envision a future for themselves in the church Hmm. Uh, and the first thing that we did as a group was to have a retreat where we brought together 10 people who were all practicing Catholics who identified as gay, lesbian, bisexual, same-sex attracted. Uh, and we asked and we, we talked with them about a bunch of different things, what had been hard for them in their, in their journey in the church, what attracted them to life in the Catholic church, what brought them deeper in their faith or held them in their faith. And what was so fascinating, this, uh, and I feel like I've seen this again and again, the doorways into the church or the things that people responded to in, in Christian faith were all really different, even though the uh, negative experiences within the church fell into some patterns. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this may be an overly abstract and metaphorical way of thinking about it, but I think you can analogize that or say from that, you know, sin, uh, you know, oppression is sin and, and sin degrades individuality uh, is not going to foster uh, the individual person. Whereas growth in holiness will growth in holiness makes you more distinct, more different uh, because it makes you more yourself. Uh <clears throat> but so that that's, I think, the other big thing is that I think gay Christians are a community where whatever answer we've come to or whatever peace we've found is very hard won. Mm-hmm. And we tend, therefore, to be a little narrow yeah. um, and to think that the way that we have found is the way. Uh and there are things that I think are not the way, uh, mm-hmm. but I try to really be careful. Someone can express himself in a way that I find very hard to understand and still be speaking about true things that have happened to him that God has done in his life. Mm-hmm. And I just think we got to try harder to kind of respect that in one another's lives. Yeah. I don't know. That was a rambly answer, but I think that's the other big thing. Yeah. I think like with that last part, it's it's this humility, uh, this like... kind of almost a courageous humility to understand I know what I have come to believe in and I know what God has led me towards 
but I also can't force my same journey on other people. Um, this is kind of something that uh, people have come to me before. Like when I've done an event, I know I've talked about, I've said this on the post, podcast before where they'll be like, ah, like parents will come up to me and be like, I wish my, my gay son was like yeah. you. And I'll be like, how old is your gay son? And they'll be like 20. And I'm like, well, do you want to know where I was when I was 20 <laughs> years old? Do you want to know? Because if you, you want your son out. to be me, mm-hmm. that's where they would have to be to be me. And I don't think you want <laughs> your son there. Like, and so I just think there's this understanding of your son is not me. Yep. Your okay. son has his own journey with God. And I can't have the humility. I have to have the humility to understand. And it's, it's something like, so I've been um, transitioning into a new job as a spiritual director uh, which is super fun getting to do my own practice. Um, no longer working at Posture Shift and doing this. But it is an interesting journey for me to be able to then walk with people and go, I, I can't say what your journey is kind yep. of thing. But I can walk alongside you. Ashley, you were going to say something? Like, I just remembered, like... Um one of the directors that I had in, in YWAM in our counseling ministry, he's a very good preacher. He's a very charismatic person. He got, you know, like just, there were women that would like, they're like, this person's going to marry. And it's like, I have a wife and kids, like chill out, you know, thinking they're prophesying something to him. And, but at one point someone told his wife, like, I wish I could find someone like him for me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you, this is not where they start. <laughs> this is where he is now. You don't want the guy I married. She's like, yeah. that, and she told him that. It's like the man I married, you don't want him. She said that, that, that it took a long time from get to get from there to here. Mm-hmm. You know, like the old saying goes, like I, I, I don't need a new best friend. It takes it took me too long to train this one. Like, yeah, that whole thing of like you're just looking at. I don't want to say a finished product because that's that's getting ahead of yourself. But you're looking at someone who's further along in a process and comparing them to someone who's just starting their no, process or hasn't so. begun the process, and that's not fair. Yeah. And also, you know, think of how much she herself has changed over the course mm-hmm. of that marriage, right? Like, yeah, you know, the person who's right, the person who's as right for this woman as the husband was for her, you know, yeah, they're like, they're not going to look the same by the time all that, all that hard work and all those years yeah, uh, is yeah. over. Yeah, because we're, we're each and like, we each form each other, yeah. like, and I think that that's another big thing. Like we we talk about growing in holiness with God, but there's also this growth, this being formed by other people around us, yeah. you know, and the way we engage with each other and, um, and, and all of this, it's, there's, there, um, I, I really think that humility aspect is key in this entire journey because there obviously are key there are key things that I feel like all queer people experience, but that humility to understand that my journey is my journey and Mm -hmm. your journey is your journey and being able to have the trust in the Holy spirit and the Trinity 
that they are in control. Like God is in control. Like, um, yeah. They had women at, at work today. Like one of the ladies, she came in with like different samples of perfume. And so they're all just trying on these different scents and everything. And they were talking about how they were like, I like how this one smells on my best friend, but I can't stand how it smells on me. Mm-hmm. And it's the same perfume. Yeah. So sometimes we will compare the same journey that we're on, but that's a different person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like we'll both make the same dish or we'll both do the same thing, but it's going to be different just because we're different people. Yeah. Like some people taste cilantro like soap. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think it's supposed to. Yeah. I was also going to make, never mind. I was going to go another, <laughs> we're not going there. <laughs> um, so I have a last question uh, for us to get to, which I think is a good rounding in this. Like we've talked about how it harmed, like, like has harmed us, the fears that keep us away from this, like what is important. What would you both say is your hopes for this conversation to look like in the future? for the church and LGBT people? Like, what do you aspire? Like, this is what I would love for this to look like. I mean, my dumb answer is just that there would be a lot of models out there, mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. greater knowledge of our own history uh, and a lot more people that you could turn to and see all of that diversity and begin to imagine. I tell the story all the time in high school. I spent hours and hours and hours listening to pop music lyrics and weird industrial music lyrics, trying to figure out if the singer was saying, you know, was referring to their lover with male pronouns or female, right? Because if they were singing a song that might be gay, then maybe they were gay. And if maybe they were gay, then they were someone I could look to for some ideas about what my own life might be like. Uh, I would like our conversations on growing in holiness to start from a point where everyone, the pastors, randos, your mom, you has known for a long, the whole time that there are multiple models for growing in holiness as a gay person. Mm. Real people. I love that. I think, um, and it's something I've said in several different points of like how thing, like I've, I've given this answer for different questions we've done on the podcast several times, but that we would learn to listen to each other because mm-hmm. kind of goes back to what we we're saying about like, I know myself and obviously I'm not the ultimate authority and the heart is deceitful above all things, but trust me that I'm sit- telling the truth about my situation. Um, I don't know if either of you listened to the Dear Alana podcast, but no. um, you did. It was, um, it talked a lot. A lot of the story was about what went wrong in her spiritual formation. Um, but I kind of saw two sides of it that I, that I thought were tragic it was not only that how it went wrong for the spiritual formation on the church's side, but how a sad interaction that her mom had with her faith as well. Like the church thought, she'll be a better believer if we can get rid of this gay thing. And her mom thought she'll be a happier gay person Mm -hmm. if we can get rid of this faith thing. And no one was listening to her that it's like, both of these things are part of my life and are important to Mm -hmm. me in some way. And no one was letting her process that in her own way. And they were kind of trying to make her process it in their way. 
and it obviously led to a very tragic end. But it just that those two different sides of it were something that just really had me processing a lot after I listened to it. That like those are almost always my hopes. Yeah. For people who are going to be leading us, mentoring us, guiding us, directing us, that they would also listen to us because they can't guide us if they don't know us. Yeah. I think that's great. I feel like one thing that stands out for me is I would love for this conversation for our perspective on it to lead from a place, as I was saying, like not for growth and holiness to not be so focused on what we're growing away from, but what we're growing towards, like for side B, for it not to be so focused on not having gay sex, but like, what are we growing into? Like rather, rather than getting rid of anger, like what am I, Mm. what is the abundant life that Jesus talked about that he has for me and being able to shift the mentality. This has been a thing I'm really trying to work on myself is like, rather than focusing on the bad that I'm trying to avoid, trying to allow my soul to get excited for the goodness of life that God has and for that to draw my desire. I think, well, let me say this. I think that is, that's important and foundational. I will say there, there's also a real necessity in life for, instead of focusing on the bad that you're avoiding, sometimes you have to focus on the suffering that you're, you have to embrace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. You know, and that's much easier if you are completely confident that God is with you in it and that God is carrying you and cherishes yeah. you. Yeah. See, that's so, I think that's so good. And I don't know. I think this is, this is a favorite topic. I love that we could talk about this a little bit. We could talk about this forever. Right. Um, and I'm really glad that we got to have you on, Eve, for this. Um, well, this was great. It's my pleasure. I, yeah. Listeners, I... Yeah, exactly. Oh, so glad you've been back. Um, listeners, I, I hope that you can glean something from this. If you're like, wow, I wanted more, pick up Tenderness by Eve Tushnet. It's a great next step. <laughs> it's a lot. It, there's a lot more material there. Um, and if they want more of this, I feel like that's a good sign in our community yeah. that sanctification and and formation and all these things is not just an automatically a trigger word. Cause I feel like a long, for a long yep. time, that's where we were. Yes. That 100%. was just a scary word. And yeah. I think we're finally moving past that. Agreed. Where we're getting to a point where like, no, I still need that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. All right. Well, thank you all Eve. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. At this 10 o'clock hour, 11 o'clock now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. All right. Thanks, listeners. And we will talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye.